Now introducing the best podcast on the planet. This is Trash Talk. Here's your host, Alex Acosta. What's up, everybody, and welcome back to Trash Talk. Glad to be back, and this episode will be airing on Tuesday at 1 p.m. and not on, uh, you know, Thursday or whenever the fuck. I'm not, I'm, I'm on it today. I'm not, I'm not missing another episode. I'm not missing another Tuesday at 1 p.m. I explained it last time why I didn't do Tuesday at 1 p.m. and why we did Thursday. Um, hope you guys liked that episode. It was a quick little one. But uh, today we're in for it, you know. Uh, no, there is no one getting slapped or tackled on stage. We're talking about sports, all things sports today. And uh, I have uh, my main man with me, Jimmy Mettler, is on today. Jimmy, how you doing? Good, Alex. How are you? I'm doing good. I'm always doing good. So, uh, you know, we're going to dib and dabble a little bit in the NBA world, the soft-ass sport. And then we're going to go into the best sport. Well, second best sport besides football. We're going to talk about some UFC. And um, so was it today or yesterday that we found out who MVP was in uh, for uh, basketball? Us today. All right. So today we found out who the MVP was for the National Basketball Association. And you know who it was? It was some fat middle-aged father named Nikola Jokic. And somehow, some way, he's a part of a very elite club of winning back-to-back MVPs. You want to know who the other guys are? Giannis, LeBron, Steph Curry, Michael Jordan, Steve Nash. Bill Russell, and many more people to go back-to-back in MVPs. And somehow, someway, the guy who didn't lead in points, wasn't the best position, wasn't the best player in his position, somehow made one MVP over Joel Embiid, who we all thought was going to win MVP, and over Giannis, who literally is the MVP, the most valuable player in the NBA since the rise of LeBron, Kobe, and Jordan, Curry. He is the face of the NBA now. That's my opinion on it. So what do you think about that, Jim? Um, honestly, I thought Embiid was a lock to win the MVP. Um, I mean, you kind of tell without him in the playoffs, you can kind of just see their stats without him. I mean, they're averaging less than 100 points a game without him. They're 0-2 without him. Um, he comes back and he dominates and he beats uh, the Heat twice at home. So, I mean – he led the NBA in points. I mean, that's big, especially as a center. You, you know, you're thinking like your guards, like Curry or, um, you know, someone like that would, you know, lead the NBA in scoring. But, you know, he didn't – he led the NBA as a center. And he did so much for, like, that franchise. And I just – I can't believe that they gave it to Jokic over uh, Embiid. Yeah, no, I couldn't – I really couldn't believe it either. So I pulled up Jokic's uh, stats. So he's a center. He's not a power forward. He's not a small forward. He's a center, right? 27 points, 13.8 rebounds, and 7.9 assists, right? Hear this. 29.9 points, 11.6 rebounds, and 5.8 assists. Who do you think that was? Embiid? That was Giannis. Okay. 29.9, 11.6, 29, 11, and 5. 6, 5.8, 6, however the fuck you want to look at it. This guy is a power forward, small forward. He's, he's a small forward, right? Mm-hmm. He had more points than Jokic. He had two rebounds less, and I believe he had two assists less, right? 
Now, you tell me who these stats are. Ready? 30, 11, and 4. That's Embiid. That's Embiid, and he's a center. Last center to win a scoring title was Shaquille O'Neal. Yeah. You don't see centers winning fucking scoring titles. Second place was LeBron James. Third place was Giannis. How the fuck? First of all, I don't know how LeBron wasn't in the comment. Well, he, he's, he's the wash king. Guy's too busy cleaning Russell Westbrook's balls, so he's garbage. I don't want to talk about LeBron. He's washed now. It's not his league anymore. He isn't the MVP in the league. I think the MVP, the most valuable player in the league in the face of the NBA now is Giannis. But if you do want to give an MVP to somebody that's not Giannis every year because this man can literally jump from the three-point line and throw it down on you, then I would have gave it to Embiid. 30.6 points as a center. And you brought up a great point where he's down. Miami takes easy two games. Very easy two games. Without a doubt, they if Embiid doesn't come back, Sixers get swept. Embiid comes back, fills in that rotation, and now the series is 2-2. That's where, like, I hate to say it, but, like, I feel like some games are during the playoffs. Like, you got to think, like, that's got to be a factor into MVP. Like, two years in a row, you know, Joker, that's it. Got first-round exit. Like, yeah. he's not doing a lot for his team. Like, he is doing a lot for his team, but not as big of a role as Embiid is. Embiid came back and, you know, tied the series up 2-2 just like that. Now they're going mm -hmm. into game five, maybe with a chance to win on the road and then take good care of business at home. Here's my thing about uh, Jokic. I think if you take him off Denver and you have Jamal Murray and you have that uh, Jamal Murray and who else is on that team, that's pretty good, um, this young Michael guy. Porter. Michael Porter Jr. and whoever else because they have a good – Squad. They got Aaron Gordon. Aaron Gordon, Michael Porter, Jamal Murray. You know, I think if you take Nikola Jokic off of that team, I think they make the playoffs, and I think they they could win a first round. I think they, if you take Embiid out of the Philadelphia 76ers rotation, I don't think they make the playoffs. I don't think they win the first round. I think if you take... Giannis and take them off of Milwaukee. They're one of the worst teams in the NBA. Now you, you look at Denver and you take this guy off the so-called two time back-to-back -back MVP. I think they still make the playoffs and they still go for a run. That's just me though. That's my opinion. I would agree. Um, I think taking Giannis off, I wouldn't necessarily say that they would be the worst team. But um, it wouldn't be the worst team, but they I feel like they would they would they wouldn't maybe uh, be the 11th seed. I could see that. I mean, they definitely would not have as much recognition and firepower as they have right now. I mean, you still got Middleton, who's hurt right now, but I hope the Middleton's pretty good. We've got True Holiday, we've got big eyed Bobby Portis, who I don't know how, but that bug eyed fuck is not good. He shows up when he when he needs to be there, so I mean. I don't know how he does it, but he does. And I uh, got a couple of good role players, but um, I think if you take Joker off of the Nuggets, I still think they are like a definitely a decently good team, like in the middle of the pack in the Western Conference for sure. Yeah, I mean, I don't know. I I 
I don't see MVP, the most valuable player. You want to look at the most valuable player in the league right now? I think it's Giannis. You want to look at the most valuable player this year? I thought it was Embiid. I never thought once it was uh, the Joker. You know, I, I didn't think that. I, I never sat here and was like, oh, you know, he's he did good. You know, like, don't get me wrong. He did good. I'm not saying he didn't do good. I'm not saying he's not a good basketball player. I'm saying is he shouldn't have been MVP. I don't, I think that that trophy is a fan favorite now. And a big thing of why Embiid didn't get it is because nobody likes Embiid. You know, that, and it's true. I mean, nobody likes Joel Embiid. And, I, and in the beginning of, not the beginning of the year, it was wrapping up the NBA season. I think it was either Charles Barkley or Shaq or somebody. Somebody said it where don't be surprised if Embiid doesn't win because of the fact that the people voting don't like him. And it shows they don't like this guy. He's not somebody like he's not a good look for the NBA because he likes to get in people's head. He likes to talk a lot of shit, which back in the day, if he played like this, he'd be one of the best fucking players in the league, which he is now. I'm not saying he isn't, but he would have won MVP without a, without a doubt. Fast forward to the softest era of basketball where guys get technical fouls for looking at a referee or they get a technical foul for fucking standing there and whatever, whatever. That's why Jokic won the MVP because everybody likes the fat bastard. Yeah. I mean, I agree with you. Um, I don't think Embiid gets the uh, recognition that he really deserves to be getting. Um, What he's done for that organization is, incredible i mean in the beginning of the year you got to think you know you had a teammate in ben simmons that just didn't want to play basketball like this is yeah. a guy that you advocated for for you know the last two years now saying how good he was and how much of a team player he was and now he's you know bringing his iphone to practice and sitting yeah. out on purpose and you know that was definitely like probably a lot of pressure and stress on Embiid. and honestly he kind of turned that into firepower and I, I don't know how he didn't get it. I think he deserves it. And yeah, and, and I mean, if you look at that team, he didn't have Harden until about when? It wasn't early. He was got Harden much later way, on. It was halfway through the season for sure. More than halfway. Wasn't it after the All Star break? Yeah. You know, so it's just like, well, in All Star break, it's the All Star break. It's not in the middle of the year. They play like fifty fucking games already. Mm-hmm. You know, it's not in the middle of the year. It's not 41 games played and then all-star break. No, it's like 50 games and then it's the all-star break. Mm-hmm. This guy, Ben Simmons, wouldn't even show up to the game. You know, this guy would just, he, he, he wasted time. And he's, he's another guy that, that is ruining the NBA. Mm-hmm. He's one of these guys, and I, and I ranted it on Twitter where I was like, this sitting out shit for athletes is bullshit. It's ruining the sport. A lot of guys in the NFL are doing it. A lot of guys in the NBA are doing it. And it's ruining the sport. And it's it come to a point where the commissioner needs to say something. And then you finally get the trade that you want. And then you sit the bench because of an injury. And now you're getting surgery for another injury. And you expect to come back and everyone's going to love you. You're in, you're in Brooklyn now. You're in New York. It's, it's a different mindset. St. Philly, who also have very hard fans. You're in New York. They're either going to love you or they're going to hate you. And right now, they fucking hate you. You had your opportunity, and you blew it. 
So Joel Embiid comes into the season. No, and he started off the season saying, you know, like he was supportive of Ben Simmons. He's saying, you know, this, this, and that, and whatever, whatever, whatever. And then he finally, like, if this guy wants to play, he wants to play. If not, no. Like, I'm tired of answering questions for him. Ben Simmons takes offense to that. Of course, because he's a little girl. Then he comes back to practice. Now he's hurt, sloppy, sluggish. Doesn't play at all. He wants the money. He wants the money averaging 10 points. I mean, I don't understand how you can make or want $30 million when you're scared to put up the ball in the playoffs. When you do absolutely nothing, you can't shoot the ball. You can't do free throws. You're not that good in the paint because it shows. Yes, you can get in, but you're not getting in. When you get there, you pass out. I mean, but you want $25 million. Joel Embiid doesn't complain about money. He goes out there and he played his ass off, right? And on he is in one of the one of the biggest controversies. Not one of the, like not controversies like he is like some fucking date rape shit. But like he he had to deal with Ben Simmons, and then he has to deal with James Harden, who everybody hates. Yeah, and somehow he gets overlooked for MVP, dropping thirty point nine points and being the fucking scoring leader. He was he won the scoring title first time since like two thousand since Shaq and Shaq won the MVP that year. He won the ring. And finals MVP, but still Joel Embiid does it. How the fuck does that make sense? It really doesn't. It honestly really doesn't. And again, I really don't understand how or why they snubbed him like that, but they did and probably just had more fuel to the fire for him. And honestly, I hope they win the next two games and move on to the conference finals. Do you think they win the series? I do. I think he are a very good team. Jimmy Butler, Tyler Harrow, uh, Bam Adebayo. Um, PJ Tucker, Kyle PJ, Lowry. PJ Tucker, Kyle Lowry, Victor Oladipo. And a very good veteran stat, uh, veteran player, and a very good coach. I think if Joel Embiid wins this series, which I think they should have waited for instead of giving – Joker, the MVP on fucking May 10th or whatever day it is today. They gave it to him today instead of waiting to see what Joel Embiid could do, what Giannis could do. Because you can't be the MVP and you get and you lose in the first round and you only win one game. Then you get swept by the Suns and you're the number one fucking seed last year. Yeah. So what's your explanation for next year? You know, that's just my opinion. You know who's a very good player? Damian Lillard, and he's not a fucking MVP. But he'll still put up 30 points. Is he worthy of an MVP? No, because he's not a most valuable player. Because he doesn't do shit for his team. You know who's not doing shit for their team and just barely making it to the playoffs? Nikola Jokic. And he's lost in the first round. First round, he lost in the first round this year, lost in the second round last year, and uh, lost to LeBron the year before. He went three, two, one. And if he doesn't fucking make the playoffs next year, then do you really look at him saying, oh, yeah, he is a he is really good to be back-to-back MVP and be put in a category of fucking Tim Duncan, Michael Jordan, and fucking LeBron James. That's just, I mean, it's, it's I, I don't get it. I, I really don't. He shouldn't have been MVP. It should have been somebody who was actually the most valuable player, and he isn't. 
He isn't the most valuable player in the league. He isn't the most valuable player. He isn't the most valuable center. He isn't the face of the league. He isn't the face of centers. No, he's not. Honestly, you could argue, like, he's not even – I mean, he's definitely probably top three, but he might be three. Like, you can argue that someone, you know, is better than him at two. I mean, just obviously centers are coming up more frequently now and more centers can shoot and more centers can play, like, good defense and stuff. I mean, you could um, argue that, you know, Bam Adebayo is better than him. Maybe I was thinking the same thing. Carl Anthony Towns. I mean, you Carl can, Anthony Towns is overrated as shit. You can argue it, though. I mean, there's some Carl Anthony Is he a Towns. center? Carl Anthony Towns, yeah, he's a center. Oh. I mean, you can argue that, you know, Anthony Davis is better than him when healthy. I mean, there's a lot more big men out there that, you know, could be better than yeah. Jokic, but, I mean, somehow he went back-to-back, so... I think the best center in the league is Joel Embiid. And I think yeah. he's been the best center in the league for the past, since he's been in the league. For sure. Arguably, you can say Bam Adebayo. I, I think no matter what, I'll look at uh, uh, the Joker at two. I do. He can shoot. He can do all that, this, that. He can dibble-dabble, but he is two. That's the thing. He is two. He's not better than Joel Embiid. He is two. And for some reason, he's won two MVPs. And Joel Embiid still has zero. I don't get it. It doesn't make sense to me. It doesn't make sense to me either, Alex. All right, so let's talk about uh, playoff status. Let's, 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 uh, let's wrap up NBA by talking about who we got in the playoffs so far, who's, how are we feeling, and um, then we'll move on to UFC. All right. Warriors and Mavericks. Who you no, no Warriors no. and Grizzlies. Who you got? Warriors. And... Got Warriors winning the series 4 1. Yeah. Morant's out. His dad's being a dickhead, like always. I don't like his father. I was fucked up to say something about another dude's dad, but I think his dad's an asshole. Yeah, I mean, I don't really like dapping up Curry and Clay after game one or you know, during game two and the pregame shit and whatnot. I think he's probably leave the players alone and let yeah. your kid be your kid. Like, I mean, cheer, cheer for your kid. Don't dap up Curry after your kid just misses a game-winning shot. Like, he's your best friend. So, I mean, I don't really like that either. Um, without Ja, I mean, they are 20 and 5 during the regular season uh, without him somehow. But I think that energy that he brings during the playoffs and obviously that scoring touch that he has – I don't think they have a chance. Yeah, no, they don't have a chance. It's over. I think they're going to go 4 1. Yeah. I do believe it. Right. Did Boston play tonight or no? <clears throat> yeah, they played the box. They played today? Tonight, 7 30. 7 30. Oh, so they're playing right now. Yes, sir. In Milwaukee. Yes, sir. I think Bucks take the series 4 2. I think Bucks take it in seven. You think it goes to seven? Yeah, I think Bucks. You think Bucks take it in TD Garden? Uh-huh. I think Bucks win tonight. I think Boston wins the next two, and then I think Bucks take it in TD Garden. Giannis drops fifty. It's hard. It's hard to go to Milwaukee now and steal a playoff game, especially Giannis dropped forty-two last game. Yeah, but in almost, fucking Boston, they almost blew it. They had a fourteen-point lead in the third quarter, and the other game was two-point game. Yeah, I saw it was 103-101, and, like, the, entering the second half, I'm pretty sure they're up at, like, 10 points. 
if there's an extra, you know, two seconds left on the, the score clock, I mean, that's going into overtime. You don't know who's going to win overtime. I think as Giannis has gotten older, his gas tank has gotten to a point where he's just unstoppable. I don't know if you remember when Giannis was coming up and Jason Kidd was the coach and there was like, he's like huffing and literally like huffing and puffing down the court. Mm-hmm. He doesn't huff and puff anymore. He can play overtime, double overtime, and still be very fucking healthy. Mm-hmm. And I think that's the difference between a lot of players in the NBA, especially because of his size, where he's so unstoppable. I think he drops another 40-point game tonight. Don't be surprised if he does. He's in Milwaukee, and anytime they score, the crowd is going to go insane. Mm-hmm. So you know he might go off tonight easily. I wouldn't be surprised if he does. Um, obviously, no Middleton kind of helps him go off more because, I mean, yeah. there's really only two or three true true scorers. Um, but I think Bucks win tonight, make it 3-1. Boston comes back, wins the next two. And then Giannis drops 15, game seven. The only way I can see Boston winning the series if they win tonight. I think if you lose tonight, going back to Boston 3-1, now it's like you're desperate to win now. Going back to Boston, you're either gonna they're either gonna win in Boston by playing very good and like blow out the Bucks, or like the Bucks beat them because of careless and sloppy mistakes and they advance and they win the series four one. Yeah. You know. I know it's like hard to come back from a three one uh deficit, but I mean this is a team that just swept the nets. I mean that's it's definitely no joke. I feel like oh, they're they're no joke. I feel like uh, their defense will become I don't know bigger and better, especially with the series on the line and their season on the line. So I think Bucks win tonight, and then Boston next two, and then Game Seven. Yeah, I can see that happening. I I, I no matter what, I see Bucks winning the series unless. Boston wins tonight, maybe. Maybe. And, and like, Bucks win the series. They wait for the winner between 76ers and Miami. That's going to be a good matchup, whoever yeah. wins that series. Joel yeah. Embiid versus Giannis or Jimmy Butler versus Giannis. You, you, Giannis gets that rematch against Butler in the bubble, from the bubble. And I B think- finally gets to meet, like, one of the best players, you know? Yeah. I think um, it'd definitely be cool to um, to see Philly play uh, the Bucks, only because Giannis and you got Embiid and then you got Harden and you got Drew Holiday. I mean, Drew Holiday's probably not on that top tier as like Harden is or once was, but it'd be kind of cool to see those uh, two go at it for seven-game series. Yeah, I would like to see that. That's going to be an interesting one. But I, no matter how I look at it and who they play, I, I still see Bucks advancing to the finals. Uh, I don't know. I mean, the Heat are – I think the Heat are the deepest team in the East, honestly, without Middleton on the Bucks. Um, their bench is unbelievably good. I mean, six-man of the year, Tyler Hero, coming off the bench. Um, got that guy Strauss, who I don't even know who, where or how he came from. Duncan Robinson, shooter. Gabe Vincent shooter. Um, you got like the veterans. You got has them on the bench still. Like, you know, their coach has been to the finals before. He knows what it takes to get there. 
Jimmy Butler. The whole team has been to the finals. Yeah. So, like, you you really know, like, what it takes to get there. And I feel like if it's Bucks Heat, I think the Heat honestly take it in six. If Middleton doesn't come back. If Middleton comes back, I don't know, like, his status or whatnot. But if Middleton comes back, then I think Bucks take it in seven. What's what's um what is Middleton's injury? I don't remember. I think it's a knee injury, but I definitely could be wrong, so don't take my word for that one. Yeah. Yeah. I'd like to see Bucks Heat in the Eastern Conference Finals. Warriors are already in the Western Conference Finals. They've been in the Western Conference Finals since the fucking playoffs started. And now yeah. it's just between Suns and Mavericks. Two two series. Who you got there? I really, really want to say the Suns, but... You know who I'm going with. Yeah, I know who you're going with, but I'm going to say the Suns just to... Mm, uh, Chris Paul is coming off probably the worst playoff game of his career. Four, seven, and four, I think he has. He's a choke artist, Chris Paul. All right, relax. He is. In the fourth quarter, he was unbelievably good in the fourth quarter for some reason. It just turns it on. Didn't he foul out in the fourth quarter? Yeah, but like... Over two bullshit calls? Previously, like he's been really good. Um, I'm going to say the Suns because they're also uh, a deep team, and I think they are probably the deepest team in the West. So I think they come home, they get it done at home. CP3 has a good bounce back game. Um, And then they went on the road. I think they went by like a last second basket maybe like debuck on a mid-range shot or something like that but i think they get it done you think that goes seven or no no six i think yeah i think they win the next two they won one in phoenix one in dallas Uh uh-huh i just can't see as much as i want to see dallas go into the next round and they'll get fucking swept or at least win one game I would really like to see um, – I really don't see Dallas winning a game in Phoenix. I just don't see it. Me neither. No matter how good Luka is and no one can really stop him, that's the thing. It's just Luka. He doesn't have a Chris Paul. He doesn't have a Jay Crowder, and he doesn't have a fucking DeAndre Ayton. It's just Luka Doncic, and I think that's what's going to hurt him. That Phoenix crowd is – ridiculously they're loud. they're they're tough that's a tough yeah. that's tough that, yeah that, it, that has to be probably one of the best environments in all of basketball for sure during the easily playoffs, at least during the easily the best environment um i don't see them winning a game on the road that's why i think suns get it done in the next two i think suns get it done and then they face the biggest problem in yeah. the NBA right now, it's Golden State, Steph Curry, Jordan Poole, Clay Thompson, um, Draymond Green, yep. and that Golden State crowd. Yeah. You want to talk about an environment that you shit yourself? That is a crowd of you're just like shit. It's a sea of gold. Like literally, you look around and it's just a sea of gold. Yeah. Um, that's going to be one heck of a series i think i think the way you got clay, go ahead the way clay has been playing i 
think I'm gonna go the Suns. Really? Clay hasn't been performing his best. Also, I, I don't think they're all like fully healthy. Um, I think there's an injury going on with Draymond. Um, That's not good. Unless Jordan Poole has a remarkable series and you know can drop 30 with Curry and play great defense like Draymond, I don't really see the Warriors winning. I think that one goes seven, and I think the Suns win in seven. Suns have the home advantage. Here's what the Suns have to do. They need to win the first two games. They can't let Golden State steal a game. They let Golden State steal the game, and now you're back in Golden State in that sea of gold where any fucking shot Curry, anytime Curry touches the ball and that ball is in the air, the crowd is going crazy. They're pulling each other's hairs out. Thing is, though, is that their last 16 playoff series – They've won at least one road game. So if they can get that one road game, especially in game one or game two, you know, I think kind of momentum flips over unless the Suns somehow can pull out a road win in Golden State somehow. Yeah. I see Suns, Suns, Golden State in the Western Conference Finals. I see Miami and Milwaukee in the Eastern Conference Finals. I think both go seven games or six. I don't see it going five or four, either six or seven. I see Milwaukee winning, advancing to the finals. And I think Golden State, and we have a matchup between the face of the league and the former face of the league. I think uh, I got Suns and Warriors. The Western Conference Finals, Suns and seven. I got Sixers, which I know I'll get heat on, but Sixers, Bucks. And I got Bucks, Suns for a rematch. Devin Booker and Chris Paul get it done, get revenge, and they get it in six. Yeah, it, I, I don't know. I think if it's Suns, uh, Milwaukee, that's going to be an interesting series. Suns are hungry. They felt that defeat before at home. Was it at home? Mm-hmm. Yeah, it at home. Like they Kinda felt that pain. It over someone's head, and that was it. That's all she wrote. Yeah. See you later. Last time someone stood on the someone stood on a court or a field, and they said, "Damn, Stefan Diggs watched his Kansas City Chiefs beat them." The next year, they thought they had a rematch, and they lost. I think the same thing happens to the Suns. My honest and truthful opinion, I think Suns win the whole thing. No, sorry. I think Milwaukee wins the whole thing. I think they do it again in six. In Milwaukee this time. That'd be some hell of a story if they do. Um, Listen, man, when it comes to sports, I'm calling it. I've been calling it, and we're going to talk about UFC in a minute. I'm going to tell you what I mean when I say I'm calling it. That's my predictions, and I'm calling it right now. I know, yes, people, if you put money on the on the lines, that the money lines that I put, I get it. I went two for five. But was I really wrong? I guess not. I guess not. 
All right. Everyone knows I put the wrong people for UFC 274. I was wrong. We're going to move on from basketball because now we're going to talk about the greatest sport, best combat sport, better than boxing, second greatest sport right behind football. We're going to talk about the UFC. So what did I do for UFC 274? Got back from my university. I'm finally home. First thing I did, cleaned myself off like a rotten animal. Told my boy Jimbo to pick me up. And we went down to Buffalo Wild Wings and scarfed down some wings and watched the fight. No better way that we can watch UFC, uh, a main card. And as we were talking, I said to him, you know, I have an idea. And I thought this was a pretty good idea where we're really into it. Some of our friends are really into it. If we all get together and record it on Twitch, but not stream it on Twitch, and we watch, we show you our reactions to the fight. We sit there, talk a lot of shit, eat a lot of food, and just react to it. UFC 274. Let's talk about the first mistake. And before I talk about UFC, let me just say it was a very bad night for the mixed martial arts community. And let me get into that for a very quick second. You had Donald Cerrone in his last fight ever. He's like 39 years old. He's gotten his ass whooped in the past five fights. Before the fight, he had even admitted that he didn't even want to fight Conor McGregor. He didn't want to step into the ring. Got knocked out by McGregor. Got knocked out by Ferguson. Got knocked out by Gaethje. Got knocked out by this guy before who was an absolute nobody. Had won no contest. Got knocked out in it. And now he's ready to fight some older old man. Right. Donald Cerrone, don't get me wrong. He's a legend in the sport. 23 wins, the most wins in UFC history. There's only one man that's going to break that because he's on the verge of it. All he needs is three more wins. He's going to get three more wins. Is Charles Dubronx Oliveira, who we're going to get into in a minute. But the day, I, and for some reason, I was like, oh, Cowboy's going to pull out. I kept thinking to myself, Cowboy's going to pull out. Something's going to happen the week of the fight. And I was ready to watch him fight. I had I had him on the money line. I had him in by winning by decision, by like split decision, because he'll probably lose one round, probably the second round. He'll win the first one because he's a fan favorite and the judges will, you know, skip him a point. At four, no, six o'clock. And I'm not kidding you. I'm in a car driving home from my university at six o'clock. Not 6 o'clock on Friday, not a week before, a month before. It's 6 o'clock on Saturday when the prelims are about to start in maybe like 30 minutes because it's like 6.30, 6.45 at this point. So the prelims are about to start. Joe Rogan's there. John Anik's there. DC's there. You know, um, everyone's there. The fucking guy pulls out of the fight with literally four hours, three hours till his fight is up. Pulls out of the fucking fight. He will never fight again in the UFC. He's done. He's not fighting in the UFC. He had his chance, and he blew it. So what did they do? They bring in Chaos Williams against this other dude, and honestly, I don't know his name. Something so, Williams. It was Chaos Williams against somebody else. Chaos Williams is the dude we bet on. Oh, but I don't know the other guy either. I had Chaos Williams winning. Guy, he's powerful, he's rising in the division. This is his chance to prove himself against someone else who's pretty good. 
But, you know, Chaos Williams was the favorite. And I don't usually pick the favorite, but I was ready to uh, see um, Chaos Williams win. I was ready for that. So I said, that fight's going to go to decision. Well, it went to decision. Though, we were wrong. Next fight, Mauricio Shogun Rua against some other legend in the sport. You know, at least Mauricio Shogun Rua was a champion. I said Mauricio was going to win this fight in the third round. I don't know what the rest were thinking in that fight. I don't know who judged it. I don't know what they were thinking. But Mauricio won that fight. It wasn't a split decision. I thought it was a unanimous decision that Mauricio won the fight. If you want to give the second or third round to the other guy, St. Prox or whatever his name was, sure. Mauricio won that fight by unanimous decision of 29-28. I don't know who judged it. I don't know what the other two judges were thinking. But somehow, some way. Mauricio lost that fight, and even he was shocked. And the dude who won it was shocked. He was like, what the fuck? And then we got to the violence. My favorite fight, my favorite fighter in the UFC, besides Street Jesus, who did absolutely nothing in his last fight, besides Conor McGregor, Michael Chandler. Now, I'm not a fan of Israel Adesanya. I'm a big fan of Kamaru Usman. You know, of course, everyone likes the champions. Not a big fan of a few champions. Not a big. I am a big, huge fan, though, of Michael Chandler. I had, and I'm not kidding you, Michael Chandler winning by knockout in the third round. Michael Chandler knocked him out 17 seconds into the second round. I called it. Then, after he knocks him out, fucking calls. One of the best callouts I have ever heard in UFC history. Besides Nick Diaz saying, no, yeah, it was one of the best ones. Besides Nick Diaz calling out George St. Pierre saying, I don't think George is hurt. I think he's just scared to fight me. Or my favorite one to this day, when Chael Sonnen called out Anderson Silva, and he said, Anderson Silva, you absolutely suck. Super Bowl weekend, well, we're up in the stakes, Silva. If I win, you leave the division. If you win, I leave the UFC forever. That was a call-out and a half. And then, after viciously taking Tony Ferguson's soul because that's what he did. He took Tony Ferguson's soul. He kicked Tony Ferguson so hard that he turned him into Abraham Lincoln and his fucking Simpson character. Kicked the shit out of him. Made him look like a... He broke him like a celery stick. And Tony Ferguson is a legend. I'm not saying he isn't a legend. I'm not... I like Tony Ferguson a lot. I like the way he fights. I like the when he throws fucking fake sand or ankle picture. Hold on, I'm talking, brother. I like when he does that. I think Tony Ferguson is on the downfall of his career. I think this proved it. And the only reason why I had Michael Chandler winning by knockout was because he almost got submit. He got viciously beat up by Justin Gaethje. He got almost got submitted in the first round by uh, Charles Oliveira. He got 50-40-40. I mean, that was ridiculous. And then lost to Bellinelli Darius, who's an absolute nobody, who is a Bellinelli boosh because nobody knows this fucking guy. This guy's like a fucking 50-year-old math teacher, and somehow he's ranked number three in the lightweight division. Dude's too worried about fucking getting a Tesla instead of actually fighting for the belt. Nobody talks about him at all. Nobody cares. No one gives a shit about him. That's just one. That's going to be one of those guys that sits in the division and will never get a title fight like Leon Edwards because nobody gives a shit about him. Right? Michael Chandler knocks Tony Ferguson the fuck out. And me and me, me and Jimmy, we squealing like pigs. 
I gave myself a purple nerf. I squeezed my t- titty so hard and fucking twisted them. I almost started milking myself like a cow. And then we get one of the best call outs where he goes, I'll fight again. Fight it a uh, fight it a year last year with Justin Gaethje and uh, Michael Chandler. He goes, we can run that back. Or if uh, um, Tarlo Oliveira wants to run it back, we can do that. And he goes, if Dana White and the other guy have a slight midge of uh, of not running that back, there's only one guy on my mind and calls out Conor McGregor. What a fucking shout out! What did you think of that, man? I was uh, that was somehow a call out. I mean, I probably watched or heard him call him out. 15 times in the last 24 hours only because it's all over my TikTok with all the uh, like remixes that they make to it and everything else and that was an unbelievably good call out probably the best I've heard since I started watching UFC I, I've been yeah. the biggest fan for like a while um, I just started watching it only because you and uh, our friend Steph watches it as well so yeah he's not a big fan starting to get into it a lot more than I once was. Um, but by far the best knockout I've ever seen and by far the best call I've ever seen. That was by far one of the best knockouts I've ever seen besides Kamara Usman fucking taking Jorge Masvidal's soul. Except was, Jorge Masvidal woke up when he hit the floor. Tony Ferguson went to bed. Yeah. He had no idea where he was as soon as he got up. No idea yeah. was. You know what's sad about a fighter on his end of his career? You know, and you see it in Daniel Cormier. You, you see it in Tony Ferguson. You saw it in Chuck Liddell. You know, guys like George St. Pierre, John Jones, Demetrius Johnson. Who lost his last fight? Demetrius Johnson lost his last fight in the UFC. Um... Those guys, these legendary guys um, who finish at the top, they don't know what it's like to be a legend in the game and slowly lose it. And we saw it in Chuck Liddell when his last fight in the UFC, he got viciously knocked the fuck out. We saw it last night, one, two nights ago, I believe, when Tony Ferguson who was arguably one of the best in the division. He was going to fight Khabib. Three times it was scheduled. Three times it was taken off. Twice Khabib pulled out because of an injury or illness or whatever the fuck. So instead of being inactive, he fights Justin Gaethje. Who every, oh, Khabib, not Khabib. Khabib's like, he's injured, so he's waiting to fight the winner between Justin Gaethje and Tony Ferguson. Everyone's looking at Tony Ferguson to win the fight. And that was the downfall of his career. He just couldn't recover from that vicious beating that he got. And when you see fighters like that who are legendary in the sport, and Michael Chandler said it, when you look at the lightweight division, you need to look at Tony Ferguson being in that division because he wasn't just a nobody. He was an interim champ, and he was on the verge of fighting McGregor. McGregor uh, went to fight Floyd Mayweather. He was on the verge of fighting Khabib. Khabib pulled out twice, and um, Tony Ferguson pulled out once. Then when he finally gets his chance to finally fight again, Khabib pulls out, and he then gets his ass whooped. 
So you can't remember this guy as someone who's gotten his ass whooped for the past four fights. You can't. I remember the guy that went in there and fucking battled and went to war with Anthony Pettis. I remember the guy that when he fought Donald Cowboy Cerrone, he smacked the cameraman's camera so he could look at Cowboy Cerrone and then viciously whooped his ass, beat Kevin Lee in his prime. I mean, interim champion. I mean, this guy was unbelievable. And it's just sad the way he went out, folded him like a lawn chair. And his time is up. I think his time is up because who do you fight now? I mean, I thought him fighting Bellinelli, Bellinelli Dariush, I thought that was a waste of a fight for him. thought that wasn't entertaining for us to watch because Dariush is a nobody. So who do you fight now? You're right. You lost to the number five guy. And now who are you going to fight? The number nine guy, which is – he's not going to fight the number nine guy. Number nine guy is Conor McGregor. So who do you fight now? It's over. And you don't want to be an Anderson Silva or a Donald Cerrone where you viciously just get knocked the fuck out every time you step into the ring after you come down. I think he needs to look at it now and be like, well, this is it. You know, this is it. Um, I'm done. I am. And he can't beat a Michael Chandler. He can't beat a Justin Gaethje. He can't beat Charles Oliveira. He can't maybe Conor McGregor, but Conor McGregor is at a status of no other where he's going to get a title fight right away. Don't question the fact that he's either going to fight Nate Diaz, Michael Chandler, or he's going to fight uh, Oliveira. Oh, he's number nine in the world. Why would he fight? Dan Henderson fought for the head for, I think, I believe it was the lightweight. I could be wrong. And he was ranked number 13. So those rankings don't fucking matter at all. The Korean Zombie was ranked number four. Connor's number nine. And he's going to get a title shot before one through eight. Very simple. And then we saw the worst fight I've ever seen in my life after straight violence. We saw fucking Rose Namajunas against Carla Esperanza. How did you feel about that? That was easily the worst fight I've ever seen in my life. I mean, I thought the guy at the, the bar at Buffalo Wild Wings was better than the fight itself. Um, <laughs> I thought it was really just brutal to watch. I mean, they didn't touch each other in the first round. They, they literally just stood there going back and forth and not only did not even get anything in. Sorry about that. No, you're right there. My, my, my fucking, my porn went off there for a second. I had to do my pants, do my, had to pull my pants up real quick. My porn was playing. Um, didn't fucking do anything in the second round. Didn't do anything in the third round. Fourth round, and, you know, there was a couple jabs here and there, but, you know, nothing too big. And then fifth round, Rose took her down in the last five seconds of the fight, and then that was it. I thought you know, it was really... Bad. I thought the game plan was bad for Rose. She was the much quicker, bigger, more physical fighter, but she just didn't show it for some reason. And I don't get why. I don't get how or what she was thinking, but she does not deserve to win it, and she didn't. So I'm glad she didn't. Yeah, it was um, it was bad. It was it was pretty shit. I have. The significant strikes and takedowns right in front of me right now. You ready for this? Yep. 
in the total fight, Thug Rose threw 37 of 136 punches. And Carla Esparza threw 30 of 133 punches, right? Total strikes, Rose threw 38. Carla threw 30. So six to eight punches were thrown in five rounds. In 25 minutes, 68 punches were thrown. That's dick. In total takedowns, Doug Rose had one takedown. 100% takedown. Carla Esperanza had two of 11 takedowns. 18% on takedowns. Control time for two takedowns, 22 seconds. Rose, 10 seconds. First round, Rose and Esperanza threw the same amount of punches, 4-4. Four, four. Second round, Esperanza threw one more punch than Rose, 4-3. Third round, Rose threw 11 punches that landed. Esperanza threw nine. Third round, Rose landed six punches. Esperanza landed eight. All right? Can we do the math real quick? Nine, 10, 11, 12, 13, 14, 15, 16, 17. Right? 18, 19, 20, 21, 22, 23, 24, 25. 25 punches in four rounds for one fighter. Twenty-five to twenty-four. That's fucking dick. In four rounds. Four rounds ended, and you've only had twenty-five to twenty-four punches landed. And then in the third round, Rose clearly won. Thirteen punches landed to her five and a takedown right so the first round was definitely a 9-9 4 of 19 4 of 19 21% 21% no takedowns second round I give it to Carla Esparza because well she had to take down and well boom third round I give it a rose because well 11 to 36 landed to her 9 of 32 and no takedowns that round Fourth round, Doug Rose landed 6 of 28. As for Esperanza, landed 8 for 29. I give that round to Esperanza, right, because of the takedown as well. So going into the fifth round, I look at the first round as a tie, or you give it to the champion. So I look at it as 2-2 or 2-1. The last round, though, Doug Rose landed 13 strikes to Esperanza's 5. Doug Rose had one takedown to Esperanza's 0. So you give the fifth round to Doug Rose. It's not like it was a dominating fight where I was like, well, yeah, the Esperanza won this fight without a doubt. So you either give the fight 3-2 to the champ or 2-2 as a draw. For somehow, some way, Esperanza won that fight. That is the most boring championship fight I've ever seen in my life. And then after the fight, you're like, you think they'll have a rematch? Fuck no. Nobody wants to see that fight again. They're going to. She's the champ. Didn't she deserve the rematch? Dude, that fight was boring as shit. All right, but it doesn't matter. She's the champ. Or was the champ. So she Exactly. She, she was the champ. And she's a fan favorite. She was like... A fan favorite after that fight, but... She blamed the, the, the judges on that fight. She's like, I don't know what they saw. Well, no one saw anything. Everyone lost on that fight. That fight was dick. That was the worst fight I've ever seen in my life. That fight was pretty bad. 
It was horrible. I mean, they went out there and hit each other 68 times between two people with three takedowns in five rounds with a total of 31 seconds of ground control. Come on, people. That was a co-main event. You have a co-main event, you better put on a fucking show. They did dick. And then we got into the best fight of the night. Charles Oliveira versus Justin Gaethje. You want to talk about that one? Yeah, I'll start it off. Um, That was a really good fucking fight. That's the the only way to fucking put it. I mean, Charles Oliveira came out and swinging, and so did, obviously, Justin Gaethje. Um, I honestly thought Oliveira was going to win the first 10 seconds the way that he came out. He wanted his fucking belt. You know, he was sick of the overweight shit and him not having the belt and him being the former champ as soon as the match started. He wanted that fucking belt. And when he came out swinging right away and giving it all he got in the first, like, 10 seconds, I was like, this shit is not going past the first round and there's no shot in hell he loses. And then, obviously, he got hit, got knocked down, got up, got knocked down again, got up again. That's where fucking Oliveira came in, knocked Gaethje down, jumped on Gaethje, and then choked him the fuck out. I mean, that was just a sick fucking fight. I don't think anyone right now could beat Charles Oliveira and that was one of the best fights I've watched on a card all year. Yeah, absolutely. That was of oh, that was um we needed that championship fight. We needed that fight because there's been two pay-per-view fights this year in the UFC. Three. There's been three pay-per-view fights. You're right. Three pay-per-view fights. In the three pay-per-view fights, I rank it as uh Jorge Masvidal and Colby Covington was the worst one. That comes in at four. Then it's Francis Ngannou versus Cyril Gunn that comes in at three. And then Alexander Volkanovsky and the Koreans are becoming at two because Volkanovsky fucking picked them apart. That was embarrassing. And then the best fight was Charles Oliveira against Justin Gaethje. Everyone knows before the fight started, this guy... I, I give Charles Oliveira the benefit of the doubt. I... Am almost positive, and don't get me wrong here. Get it? He missed weight. The UFC has rules. You can't break those rules. The day before the fight, Charles Oliveira weighed 155 pounds. Friday night, Saturday morning, he weighed 155 pounds. Right, walking up to the scale, he weighed himself in the back, 155 pounds. Gets on the scale and weighs 155.5 pounds. Okay. They give him an hour to lose 0.5. He loses 0.5. Gets back on the scale in his room, 155 pounds. Goes back in the back to weigh himself in the back scale, 155 pounds. Goes back out and weighs 155.5 pounds. I, I, I just couldn't believe it. I was mad at Charles Oliveira at first, but then when you hear that, you're like, that's that something has to be wrong. And hit the face he made, it wasn't like he knew that he wasn't 155.5. Like he, he didn't know. He he completely didn't know. He there was a shock on his face, and 
that painted a that painted a picture of he didn't know. He thought he was 155. So they strip him of the belt. He's a champion until he enters the octagon. Right? He walked out as a champion, entered the octagon as the number one contender. They get into that octagon and they just start going at it, man. Holy shit. That was that was that was an impressive fight. And here's the thing about Charles Oliveira. In the past three fights between Chandler, Poirier, and Gaethje, he's just allowing them to throw what they want. Chandler knocked him down. Gaethje knocked him down. Poirier knocked him down. And somehow that man has a chin that nobody talks about because it's it's literally the one of the best chins in the UFC because this man has been hit by some tanks of a pe- Michael Chandler is a massive dude, especially when he fought for uh, the belt. He was a massive dude. He's smaller now. He said he lost uh, muscle mass. So he was probably quicker, which is why he landed that kick and knocked out Tony Ferguson. But when he fought Oliveira, he was a massive dude. Poirier walks into the ring at 177. He's a massive dude. An hour after the fight, Justin Gaethje already weighed 165 with hands of dynamite. I mean, you saw when he got, he knocked him down twice. And Justin Gaethje did the smart thing, called him back up. Because you don't want to fight Oliver on the ground. Justin Gaethje played a very smart fight. Everybody gets knocked down. You're right. But his biggest downfall in that fight was when he got knocked down. Because once you're on the ground fighting Oliveira, the fight's over. Everyone knows that, that the fight is over. There is no chance in hell that you have when Oliveira gets you on the ground. Dustin Poirier knew that, and he said it when he fought Oliveira in the second round. He knew that all I have to do is just kind of take this beating because if I move in the wrong position, he's going to take my neck and choke me out. Well, took his neck, choked him out. Justin Gaethje got knocked down. And Charles Oliveira jumped on him like a spider monkey and did not let it go of that position. Flipped him over. Justin Gaethje thought he could get up, flattened him out, choked him out. Fight was over. And then he also has a great call out as well. I mean, this guy, there was the night of fucking call outs. Let me tell you, I couldn't believe it. Michael Chandler, Charles Oliveira, he said, anyone can get it. And then he goes, Conor McGregor, are you coming back or are you staying down? I mean, that was a great call out. What did you think about that? That was a great call out. Um, I thought it wasn't the best call of the night. I thought Chandler had the best call of the night, but it was definitely a really good call out. I mean, he he said it. He goes, "There's something missing around my waist," and there is something missing around his waist. He's he's the fucking champ, and you know he deserves that shit. I mean, how many title defenses does he have? That would have been his second one. His second first one. one was against Dustin Poirier. His second one would have been against Justin Gaethje. And his third one is going to be against Conor McGregor. I mean, I he deserves it. I mean, his I mean, it's an underdog story for him. Like he's always been counted out. He's always been, you know, the guy to, you know, really not get like looked at as like the heavy favorite. But I mean, he deserves it. He should be the champ. That call out was fucking sick and i can't wait for his next fight because he's gonna choke someone out or he's gonna knock someone out so oh yeah i think there is only one man that michael chandler no that's not true there is two people that michael chandler could fight there's only one person there's three people michael chandler could fight there's only two i want to see i think michael chandler could fight dustin poirier 
I think you could fight Conor McGregor. I think you could fight Charles Oliveira. And you can get that rematch between him and Justin Gaethje again, fan favorite, but I, I don't think Dana White will do that. I don't want to see Dustin Poirier fight. I think he's a boring fighter. I think he doesn't bring any chime or anything to the sport. I think he's kind of boring. He shaved his head saying, I want to fight in the summer, but you, he's scared to fight Nate Diaz. He doesn't want to fight Colby Covington. I mean, this guy is saying, I want to fight, I want to fight. And then he goes, that's the fight I want next. You had that fight. And got choked the fuck out. You you went to sleep when you fought Oliveira. I think Justin my the uh, Dustin Poirier is just uh, makes a lot of noise. I think his time is done. I don't really care for him. He's had three title fights. He's lost all three. It's time to move on, buddy. You're 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 blowing it and you're wasting everyone's time. For Charles Oliveira, there is one, two fights I would like to see. Michael Chandler, of course, I would like to see that rematch. Or Conor McGregor. I think Conor McGregor fights for the belt before he fights Michael Chandler. Or if he can't make 155, his tuna fight is at 170 against Michael Chandler. Right? You're probably wondering, what about Islam Makachev? What about Dustin Poirier? What about Bellinelli, Dariush? What about these guys? Well, Dariush hasn't proved anything yet. He fought a wash, Tony Ferguson. Islam Makachev hasn't fought anybody in the top 10. He hasn't fought Rafael Dos Anjos. He hasn't fought Tony Ferguson. He hasn't fought Conor McGregor. He hasn't fought Rafael Fizev. He hasn't fought uh, Gregor Gillespie. He hasn't fought any of these guys. He hasn't fought just Dustin Poirier, Justin Gaethje, Bellinelli Darius, Michael Chandler, Charles Oliveira. He hasn't, fought any, he hasn't fought anyone in the top 10. He hasn't fought anyone in the top 11. He hasn't fought anyone in the top 12. He's fought one guy, and his ranking is number 13, and it's Dan Hooker, and this guy has been knocked the fuck out every time he steps into the octagon. So you think Islam Makachev deserves a title fight? Absolutely not. I think Islam Makachev's next fight should be against Rafael Dos Anjos or Tony Ferguson or Dustin Poirier or Justin Gaethje, but he's a, I just don't see him fighting for the belt. I can't see that happening. So here's a conversation that we had after the fight. And, well, don't get mad at me, but it is very true, and it's a conversation we need to have. What are, uh, what are your predictions for fights and fight nights, and what, what do you think about what's coming up? What do you think about future fights and everything? Um, future fights. I mean, you got some good stuff this weekend. I really don't know much about them. But um, John Mahovich and that guy Rakitic. Yeah. You say Rakitic is supposed to be pretty good. I mean, I've done a little research on him. He does seem pretty fucking good. So Hell yeah. Hell yeah. Um, I think uh, that'd be pretty cool to see. I think I think it's UFC 276. I think it is that card. I think that card will probably be one of the best cards um, of the year. You know who's on that card yet? Um, I'll read it off to you in a second. Read it off to you in a second. Okay, so you start off with the first fight between Sean O'Malley and this guy Munoz. Yeah, Pedro Munoz. Yeah, I think Sean O'Malley knocked him out. Well, they fought before. Uh-huh. And Charles um, and Sean O'Malley got knocked out. 
I think Sean O'Malley knocks him out. Okay. What's after that one? Um, you then got Tate versus Murphy. Okay. Lauren Murphy? Yes. Oh. I'm going to go Misha Tate. I would also, I don't know much about these two fighters, but I'd probably go uh, Tate because you're going Tate. Okay. Okay. Um, then you got Sean Strickland versus Sean Alex Strickland. Pierre. Okay. I'm going Alex Pierre. I'm going to go Strickland, dude. Sean Strickland is that white asshole who. Yeah. The ball yeah, guy. He's a dick. I like him. Yeah, he has no ground game. He's just a striker. Alex Pierre is a world-class kickboxing champion who is actually not the one of the only people to actually sleep Israel Adesanya. I like him. I like Sean Trickham because he talks shit in your face while you're fighting, and I think it's pretty fucking sick. Then have Alex uh, Volonowski versus uh, Max Holloway. I'm Volnowski going Volkmaster. Yeah. Going yeah. Volkmaster, bro. I think Volnowski Holloway's he Holloway's um his time as champion is done. I think Volnowski kills him. That's yeah, it. I think I think first round. Yeah, I think this is the first time Volkanovski uh Max Holloway gets slept. And then you got Adesanya and uh Cannoneer. Yeah. I'm going Jared Cannoneer. I'm going Cannoneer too. I don't, I don't like, like Adesanya. Israel Adesanya. I don't like him either. It's too mm-hmm. confident. I think he's from a like a entertainment standpoint. I don't think he's a good fighter to watch. Um, obviously, you and Steph have your own opinions on that. I think if you're an actual fighting fan, then yeah, because he's so like technical and stuff that he does. But I don't, as like a entertaining and fan standpoint, I don't think uh, watching Israel Adesanya's videos. Yeah. I'm going oh. Jared Cannonier. What were you going to say? But that card so far, I think, is the best out of um, any card that we probably see this year. For As sure. of right now. Like, you never know, obviously. But I think that card would be the best. You got two title fights. Sean Strickland, like, I you probably, well, you, he is ass, but like, I thought, you know, if he does his job and, you know, try to promote the fight, I think he does. A good job, and you got Sean O'Malley. And, yeah. Um, what's, who's he fighting again? Sean O'Malley is fighting Pedro Munoz. Pretty limp Pedro. Yeah. Um, I think it's going to be a tough test for Sean O'Malley, but I think he gets it done. Hopefully, because if he loses this fight, Sean O'Malley is a joke. This is the first like, real test, right? He right. fought Pedro Munoz before he got knocked out. He got tested, got knocked out. He hasn't fought anyone in the top 10 yet. He, he hasn't fought anyone in front of him. He's only fought fighters who aren't ranked or ranked below him. And he's also ranked 13, by the way. So that doesn't say a lot about how many people is fighting before behind him. It's only two people, yeah. 14 and 15. And they've all been knocked the fuck out. Yeah. I don't... I, I, I hope Sean O'Malley wins. His... His... um. All that shit talking he does, everything is on the line because if he loses, then he's fucked. Yeah, but I think that's going to be one of the best cards. 
me personally, I just can't wait to tie to a bus fights. He is probably my favorite fighter to watch, and with all the shit that he does, and you know, drinking out the boot, and all the shit talking, everything that he does to a guy boss is probably my favorite fighter to watch. No, he's a good fighter. He is. I like him. He's fighting Cyril Gaon in France. That's official? Uh, verbally confirmed, and now they need to put it on paper. That it, will be. I don't know how that fight will probably end up for a tie, but I'm going tie just because he's my favorite fighter. But in this, like in reality, I don't think. I'm going tie, second round knockout. Wow. Yeah. If not, I'm going Cyril Gaunt, third round submission. Yeah. That's that's the only way it plays out. Cyril Gaunt is has a better fight IQ, better striking, grappling, jujitsu, wrestling, um, who people who he's fought wise, you know, like uh, heart, depth, uh, everything. Cyril Gaunt wins every single category, except for power. I think power will be the difference in the fight. I think if he gets landed on, I think he's done. Yeah. I think that is um, that's a good fight. That fight's gonna be good. And then we're supposed to get John Jones versus Stipe Miocic in September. Hopefully, we actually get it. John Jones has been out for a very long time, even before COVID. Yeah, I don't think we'll get that one. I hope we do. I mean, John I Jones is ready. I hope we do too, but I'm not gonna. Well, my ex and my yeah, I'll take I'll keep one egg out, throw it at you. <laughs> but um, yeah, that was our predictions and uh great episode, Jimmy. Thank you for having you on. Always a blessing to have you on, always fun, always great to talk about sports, UFC and basketball, always great to rant on people and who we think. By the way, I should have brought this up earlier when it comes to predictions. I called Michael Chandler and Conor McGregor fighting back in December. If you think I'm lying, go listen to episode 16 of Trash Talk. I promise you I say, I think when Conor McGregor comes back, I think he fights Michael Chandler. I said it. And I even said it then. I like Michael Chandler. He's very, he's a very good fighter. Called in December, people. December. And look at what's fighting now. I mean, look what's happening now. That 170 fight will happen or he, or he waits for... Somebody, but I think that fight happens. I called it. I'm not saying I'm I'm a man of uh, predictions, but I mean, you believe me now, baby? Jimmy, thank you for coming on. Always a great pleasure to have you on. Jimmy will be back later when we have another UFC 26, uh, two, uh, after UFC 275, after the finals, after everything going on. Jimmy, thank you so much. Always a blast to have you on, man. Thank you, Alex. Maybe we'll get the uh, live reactions to these uh, those fights. Yeah, we got to get those live reactions going because I'd be squealing like a pig. But uh, thank you so much, Jim. Thank you, everybody, for listening. You want to hear more Trash Talk, you can follow our socials on Instagram and Twitter at Trash Talk Official. If you want to hear more of me, more about sports and everything in general, about us talking trash, you can go tune into Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and Spotify to hear all things Trash Talk. And if you want even more, Tune in to every Thursday. You know we drop Trash Talk Thursdays. I missed last week. Not missing this week. This is your host, everybody. Thank you, Jimmy. Peace out.